Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 461 of the Talking Flowers podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 3rd. 2023 a late night edition of the show here and there's a lot to talk about obviously Padres and the Giants a weekend series Padres they win all three games over the weekend if you want to count Friday Thursday obviously was a clunker and I think that dropped them to 11 games under 500 but then they came back won three games in a row offense comes alive good pitching and I don't want to say that the fan base is feeling a whole lot better about this team because I think that most of the fan base still thinks that the season is over. But I think the fan base was happy for sure with the team's performance this weekend. Um, and they should be. You know, the Padres, they played a good series. So talk about that. Um, some other San Diego sports stuff. A pretty good San Diego weekend, I, if I shall say so myself. And then Bob Nightingale had a... A few Padres-related uh, tidbits in his Sunday notebook that I wanted to touch on as well. Give some of my thoughts on that. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. Um, if you want to support the channel, you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can use that Super Chat button. Uh, it is always available there. I appreciate the support. And a reminder, use code TALKINGFRIARS for $20 off 
your SeatGeek order. And you can check out BreakingTea.com. Click the link in the description. Some great San Diego sports swag. And FOCO, same thing. Link in the description. Great Padres bobbleheads, apparel, collectibles. So check them out. All right, let's get to the three games here. I already talked about, I think, Thursday's game on the last show. So I don't have to hit on that too much. And it's not like I'm going to hit on all three of these games for a long period of time. Um, because, I mean, I, look, again, I'm someone that thinks that this season's over. I don't think they're going to be a postseason team. I was just listening to John Schaefer on my walk home from work. And um, he was talking about how everything has to go right for the Padres to be a postseason team. Like, it's not just them going like 24 and 5 or whatever. They have to do that, and then other teams have to not play very good baseball, you know, because there's just so many teams ahead of the Padres in the wild card standings. And obviously, the division's out, you know, that's not going to happen, right? So, a lot's going to have to happen. I don't think they're going to do it, but when they keep winning games, obviously, that's going to keep Manny in the lineup. That's going to keep these guys that are probably playing hurt, it's going to keep them in the lineup. And I don't know if that's the best thing this franchise but if they're not mathematically eliminated i understand the franchise being like we're gonna have manny in the lineup every day even if it's just DHing and it's not him playing third base you know um friday padres win 7-3 soto and tatis had back-to-back home runs in the first grish campy uh batten they came through with rbi singles it was six to one padres through three innings uh top of the fourth Obviously, that was a huge play by Trent Grisham in the gap because who knows what would have happened if Grish doesn't make that catch. Second and third, one out, and Grish makes that catch in the gap. Doesn't make that catch. It wouldn't have just been that one run that would have scored because one run scored on that sack fly. It would have been multiple runs, and maybe a bigger inning would have developed from that. So, you know, it was a huge catch. And Grish... As I've said before, I don't think that we should accept him hitting under 200 and be fine with that. Like, it's unacceptable. But if he was hitting a little bit over 200, so still doing better than he has the last couple seasons, but he's not, like, tearing the cover off the ball in terms of, like, results offensively, and he's at the bottom of the order, I don't think that would be that big of a deal if the other guys in the lineup were doing their jobs. If the guys that were making way more money than him were actually producing at the level that they were expected to produce at, we wouldn't be, at least I don't think, I don't think that Grish's offensive struggles would be pointed out as much. I don't think there'd be uh, as many people complaining about it. I think they would tend to look at it from the optimistic view or look at it from like the, the positive view of what does Trent Grisham bring to the table for the Padres. What he brings to the table is being great defensively in center field and saving you runs in center field, right? And him and Tatis in center and right, Soto's not that great defensively in left, but having center and right locked down on defense, that really helps. That's helped this pitching staff. It's just unfortunate that the Padres' offense has been inconsistent, and so that's where it's like, well, how much value has it has Grish and the defense brought this year because the offense just isn't scoring enough runs consistently. 
right, for that to make a huge difference. Uh, I don't have like the numbers in front of me or anything like that, the advanced numbers, but that's just a gut feeling, obviously, watching all of these games this season, right? Um, but yeah, Friday, Waka, another solid start from him. Waka and Lugo, you know, I think that's one of the takeaways from this weekend. I don't know about takeaway because they've been doing this for most of the season when they've been healthy, and that's pitching pretty solid and showing up. Sure, they've been on the IL, but showing up and pitching pretty well. Waka, six innings of work in the in uh in his start on Friday, two earned runs, walked only two guys. His ERA is two eight five. So, obviously, going forward, the question is, will the Padres pick up those club options for $16 million next year, $16 million the year after that? And that, those two options, they have to be picked up at the same time. So it's not like they can pick up the 2024 option and be like, nah, we're good on 2025. You have to pick up both. So we'll see what the Padres do there. If they don't pick them up, other teams will offer him multi-year deals, I would think off of this season sure there's the injury risk but when he's on I, I think it was matt carpenter may have been someone else but i think it was matt carpenter who said this it had to be over the past week about waka like he's either hurt or he's one of the best pitchers in baseball and that's pretty much what he's been for the padres this season so again there is that injury risk but when he's on the mound He's going to give you a lot of quality starts, and he's going to keep you in ball games. And then Seth Lugo today, right? I'll, I'll touch on Blake Snell here in a little bit, but Seth Lugo, he goes six innings today and doesn't give up any runs, just three hits, walked only one guy. His ERA is sub 3-5. So like him and Waka, those were question marks going into the 2023 season for the Padres, the back end of the rotation. Uh, how is it going to hold up? Where there going to be injuries? Could you trust Seth Lugo for a full season? I admittedly was wrong on that. Uh, again, he was on the IL, but all of this year when he's been healthy, he's been a starter. And he's been healthy almost the entire year. And doesn't seem like there's there's signs of him slowing down. And any of the, the talk of, oh, shut him down, um, limiting his innings, right? because there was questions from the media about that early on in the year. Lugo's always been like, well, I don't plan on slowing down, essentially. Like, no, I'm a starter, and he's proven to the Padres that he deserves to keep starting games. And uh, Lugo's another thing in the offseason where the Padres can't control bringing him back because they don't have a club option. I guess they could offer him a lot of money in free agency. But Lugo has a player option, and the way he's pitching and he's been able to stay healthy, I would think he's going to not opt into that player option and just go back into free agency. If he wants to come back to the Padres, they can work out maybe a, a multi-year deal where he's guaranteed to be a starter because obviously he wasn't guaranteed that going into the year. I think he was guaranteed a chance to start, but he wasn't guaranteed like a full season of starting in the rotation. Uh, Nick Martinez, obviously, his name was being thrown around, and Ryan Weathers, right? Uh, but props to Seth Lugo. Hey, he had a goal in mind going into this season, and he accomplished that. Be a starting pitcher consistently in Major League Baseball for this Padres team, and that's exactly 
what he has done. So strong starts from Walker and Lugo this weekend, which was encouraging. And obviously, you know, Juan Soto leading the way offensively this weekend, homering in all three games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, his homer today, that swing, when he goes oppo like that, it's just effortless. It, it looks effortless. Um, obviously, he uses his legs for sure, but it's so pretty seeing that. I just, I just wish that we'd see more of that from Juan because I think he's made the adjustment for the most part, but obviously he struggled in August. And it wasn't just him, by the way, but yeah, he struggled in August. And we know the, the slow start that he got off to, right? I did a breakdown about him pulling off the ball way too early and just not being himself, that 2019 Juan Soto, where he was taking Garrett Cole deep in the World Series. He was staying on that pitch, going the opposite way. And we just weren't seeing a whole lot of that from Juan earlier on in the season. But it feels like he has gotten back to that, gotten back into being himself, being Juan Soto, what makes him great. Um, and so we'll see how he finishes off this 2023 season. And I'm sure there will be some trade talks in the offseason, some rumors. Um, you know, Bob Nightingale, I think, wrote in his notebook, mentioned Juan Soto, um, I think, earlier today, his uh, Sunday notebook. And just talking about how, yeah, Padres, they have a decision to make on if they want to trade Juan Soto or not with one year left of control. Um, so that's going to be a talking point. But as I've said previously, like the Padres, I think they're going to try to go all in again in 2024 and try to win. And I'm sorry, but I don't think you can convince me that having someone else on this team other than Juan Soto is a better option. Like Juan Soto is not going to hurt you. Well, he can hurt you like defensively, but my point is the Padres, and this is like Captain Obvious, duh, Ben. Juan Soto helps the Padres win games. It, when he's in that lineup, he's going to help you win games. So they gave up a lot for him. So yeah, there's definitely that argument. Like, yeah, you trade Soto and you can get some at least one top prospect back probably from a team. And I think the Padres asking price would definitely be high. Um, but, I mean, you got him for three pennant races. That's what AJ said. And it looks like it's going to be two if they keep him next year. And that's assuming if they make the postseason next year, because this year it's just not going to happen. So it are, you're already not getting as much out of him as you thought you were going to get in terms of like postseason births. So to trade him in the offseason and you ended up only having one postseason berth with him, one postseason run with him, I don't think he got the most out of it, out of that trade, you know? And if the Padres won the World Series, then I think they win the Juan Soto deal, you know, or if you know they they extend him, they they get a big deal done. But if they don't, then yeah, you're gonna toss the, the nationals uh, you're going to toss this trade in their favor you know they won this deal um, just based on results because sure they might not win the world series but the padres acquired Juan to do that so i don't think they're going to give up on it and you know I, I think the smart thing to do there is to give it a try 
if it's at the trade deadline next year and it's not working out, then you can trade him. But give it a try. You know, I would hate for them to to deal him. Now, maybe they get some huge package back that I'm not even thinking about, but I would hate for them to deal him without trying with him on the team in 2024. And if he walks, he walks, you know. I think we got to trust AJ's farm system, uh, trust that Peter Seidler will be willing to spend money on outfield. If Soto does walk, uh, maybe Merrill ends up playing the outfield or someone moves to the outfield that we're not even thinking about or a trade happens that we're not thinking about. Um, but yeah, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, off on a, a different route, but talking about Juan Soto, I mean, he had a great weekend. And so, again, we'll see how he finishes off this regular season. Um, other takeaways from this series, I'm just trying to think. Today, I didn't watch a ton of the game. I watched some of it and went back, watched the highlights, but had a long day. Man, woke up at 2 o'clock. Not woke up. Woke up at like 12.30 in the morning because I had worked from 2 to 6 with the San Diego Wave. Uh, then went back, worked the match. So just came back from that. So it's been a pretty long day. So, um, yeah, didn't watch a ton of this Padres game today, but I'm kind of at the point where – like I'm gonna watch the games when I'm, you know, not working somewhere else, obviously. But I'm at the point where it's like I don't feel like I have to watch every single pitch of this team because I watched every single pitch of the team for the majority of the season. You know, the big sample size that I talk about all the time. I already did that. And so I feel like I, I know what this team is. I know they're not gonna make the postseason. So you know, if they if they keep winning games like this, okay, then they're giving themselves a shot. But still, so many things are going to have to go right for this Padres team to be a postseason team. And one of those things is them playing like the best baseball in like franchise history. Like, there's there's like no room for error here. You can lose maybe what five to seven games. Is seven games too much? You know the. Right now, Philly, Chicago, Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, Cincinnati are all ahead of the Padres in the wild card standings. And only three of those teams are making it. Philly, Chicago, and then, as of now, Arizona, Miami, San Francisco, Cincinnati tied for that final wild card spot. And then there's the gap between those teams and the Padres, who are five and a half games back. You know? Good series against the Giants, but the Padres, they still sit at 65 and 73. You know, that's not an impressive record. It's a disappointment. Very frustrating. Just a, a stupid season. If you've been watching this team, you know, pretty much every night. Uh, and we'll, we'll just see how they finish, you know. We'll see how it finishes. Okay. There's, there's one thing that I wanted to hit on here with Austin Nola. Because I'll get to the Bob Nightingale stuff, and I'll get to the chat. Don't worry. I'll definitely get to the chat. But Jeff Sanders, he put out a piece on Austin Nola the other day. And I thought this was very interesting. Because obviously Austin Nola, he struggled this year. And he got hit by a pitch in spring training, right? Got hit in the nose. 
And then he obviously ended up not being on the roster because when Gary came in, Campy was healthy. They went with that. They, they went that route over keeping Austin Noel on the roster, which is what should have happened, right? Just based on the results, we didn't know what was going on with Austin Nola. We just saw, okay, this guy's stinking offensively, can't throw anyone out. These guys better power potential. It just makes sense, you know. Austin Nola on the field, he's not giving any value to this team. But there was something that came out here about his vision issues. And Anthony Rizzo, uh, his concussion that he had with the Yankees that he, I guess he didn't know he was playing with, I think that's the story with Rizzo, that made Nola kind of check in on some things. And here was what the situation was. He was cleared of concussion protocol uh, before opening day after getting hit in the nose in spring training. And I was watching that game live, and that was scary. I, I believe he had to get carted off. And so it was like, okay, this guy's going to be out for a while. Maybe he's not even going to be ready for opening day. But it ended up working out. He ended up being ready for opening day. But then he struggled, and now he has halted his uh, – it's not a rehab assignment. He's, he's halted his time at AAA, the Padres and him, because of some of these tests that have happened. He had, he's had tests, I guess, over the past month uh, at UC San Diego, UCLA, UC Irvine on neurology and ophthalmology. I think that's how you say it. I'm not going to act like I know what that is. Um, he has not played since August 2nd. And the official diagnosis here was ocular, oculomotor dysfunction, which is a vision issue that impacts the brain's ability to coordinate eye movement. It could provide an answer as to why Nola wasn't tracking the ball as well as he was in spring training. And Nola, obviously, he's thankful that he got some clarity on that, and he couldn't figure it out, like what was going on, the vision, why he wasn't seeing the ball, stuff like that. And then, But, you know, some fans I saw are like, well, how does that, you know, how does that affect him throwing to second base? He has no arm. Okay, that's fair. Um, some were saying, well, he was able to play defense completely fine, but I feel like playing defense at catcher is a little bit different than having to try to hit in the box, right? Because as a catcher, I feel like it's a little more controlled because you know what pitch is coming. You're communicating with the pitcher. You're catching bullpens, you know, leading up every day in spring training. You've been doing it your whole life. And I'm not saying he hasn't been hitting his whole life. But hitting in the major leagues, I would assume when you're a catcher and you're a big focus of yours is the pitching staff and the catching part of it, not the hitting part, it, you're going to find it more difficult to produce offensively. And then you add this in on top of that, and that has to be absolute hell for Austin Nola. So obviously wishing the best for Austin because, um, yeah, it, it stinks to see this. The biggest revelation Nola said was misaligned tracking with his left eye. And obviously he's a righty, so you're looking at the pitcher, your left eye, you're probably not tracking the ball perfectly like other guys are. That's going to leave you at a pretty severe disadvantage. And we know even when he didn't have these issues, it's not like Austin Nola was the most 
amazing offensive catcher anyway, right? He hasn't been. So, yeah, definitely has been tough on Austin, and I think he still has at least one more year of control. So we'll see if he ends up being on the big league roster at some point next year, if they try to move him in the offseason. I don't know what's going to happen there. Do they just keep him keep him in El Paso and he just becomes a triple-A catcher? I don't know. There, he has a lot of respect among that Padres pitching staff. I mean, he caught, let's remember, he caught every postseason inning last year. They didn't give anything else to anyone else. Alfaro, no one. So he has the trust of a lot of guys in there. So I think the Padres are going to keep giving him some chances, whether that's with El Paso. They're going to keep him in the organization. If no one wants him, they're probably going to keep him in the organization, especially after this. You know, go through whatever Austin needs to do, the road to recovery, like he says. He, he feels like he's getting on that road to recovery. Um, he wants to return to El Paso's lineup for this year. So, you know, go through that and then give him the opportunity to play in spring training, see how that goes, and then obviously we'll see what the Padres catching situation looks like. Maybe they bring back Gary, or maybe it's just Campy, and they bring in someone else another vet, and Nola can battle with that guy to be like the backup catcher. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that catch, how the uh, catching situation develops there. Okay. I'm going to do, I want to have a quick break here and then get to the Bob Nightingale reports from his Sunday notebook. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 
Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Okay, so Bob Nightingale in his notebook, he had some interesting tidbits here. And it's Bob Nightingale, so maybe you don't want to believe it, what he says and all that, because he has gotten stuff wrong before. But he has also gotten some stuff right. And he is a national baseball reporter, has a big following. So when he does put something out like this, I'm going to put something into it. I don't know how much, but I am going to, you know, mention it and talk about it because I think these are interesting things. First one was Shohei Otani. If Otani, uh, the bidding is, if it reaches $500 million or more, Bob Nightingale says the Padres would be one of the contenders for that. He mentions the Angels as having a strong shot if it's like less than $500 million, which maybe it will be because of obviously the UCL tear. We'll see if Otani opts for Tommy John uh, at the end of this season or maybe before the end of this season after the Angels finish up their homestand. We'll see what happens there. But it's not surprising to see this because A.J. Preller absolutely loves Shohei Otani. He learned Japanese to speak to Shohei Otani at that meeting where the Padres didn't have a DH, so they were already at a disadvantage, but the Padres were one of the finalists for Shohei Otani's services. So I wonder where the Padres will stack up here because they're obviously going to try, I would think. You know, Peter Seidler, he doesn't want Shohei Otani on the team. You know, of course, of course you want Shohei Otani. Um, now you could question, is it the best thing for the Padres to spend $500 million on one player? And there's a bunch of risk that goes into that when they could just spend that on a bunch of other positions. Um, that's a valid point, but it's also Shohei Otani, you know, and, and that's the most talented player I've ever seen. Right. And, uh, AJ, that's like his big, what's the saying? The, the big white whale, big shark. Juan Soto was one of them, and he eventually got him. And Shohei Otani is another. And Preller has a track record of guys that he wants. It may take a little bit, may take a few years, may take five years, six years, whatever, however long it took for Juan Soto to come to the Padres, how many, however many years he spent with the Nats. Might take a while, but eventually AJ gets his guy, for the most part. And so that doesn't guarantee that Shohei comes to the Padres. I'm not saying it does. I, I, if I had to predict right now, I don't think that Shohei Otani comes to the Padres just because I think the Dodgers are in a stronger spot winning wise. Like Shohei wants to win. So I think that why would you want to come to the Padres if you want to win? Right. I think the Dodgers, you're right there with Anaheim and LA. Like that seems like the, the more perfect fit for Otani over the Padres and the whole Japanese thing. Otani doesn't want to stomp on Darvish, right? Like the attention that he can get from the Japanese fan base among Padres supporters there. If, if Otani came, it would be all Otani, I feel like. And some would talk about Darvish, but come on, all of it would be Otani, right? For the most part. Um, and Japanese players, it feels like they don't want to do that. And so maybe they, there is something to that. And Otani stays with the Angels or he goes somewhere else that doesn't have like that guy there. Um, but we'll see. 
the the five hundred million dollar thing, Padres being a contender, if it gets to that, I'm not surprised by that. Okay, there was another one. This wasn't like reporting, but Bob Nightingale said the Padres are the most underachieving team in baseball history. And do you agree with that? I don't know. Let me know in the chat. Let me know in the comments. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Do you think the Padres are the most underachieving team in baseball history? Initially, when I think about that, I don't disagree with Bob. You could point to like the Mets of this year, but I don't know. I, I think I would, you know, some were picking the Mets to go to the World Series, but most people, it was the Padres. And the Padres were the team that was bringing in Bogarts, getting Tatis back, Soto and Hayter for a full season. It felt like they, people thought that they were more for real than the Mets, even though the Mets, obviously, it's the highest payroll. Both teams are very underachieving, very disappointing, underwhelming, all that. But yeah, I'd probably put the Padres on top there. Now, in baseball history, what are some other teams that you put into that conversation? Do you put the Dodgers, 111 win Dodgers, in that conversation? Not with this Padres team, because at least the Dodgers had 111 wins in the regular season, and they made the postseason. The Padres had probably the same expectations as the Dodgers entering this season as the Dodgers did with their great record last year. Uh, I'm not saying the Padres and Dodgers had the same expectations this year. I'm saying the Dodgers' expectations last year, probably about the same as the Padres this year, just based on the circumstances there. And the Padres didn't even make the postseason, but again, at least the Dodgers made it. So I wouldn't even put the Dodgers in that. Are there some Yankee teams maybe that didn't make the postseason? Um, who is in that conversation? It's recency bias. It's fan bias, obviously, because we're Padres fans. But, yeah, I, I, right now at least, I don't disagree with what Bob Nightingale says about the Padres being the most underachieving team in baseball history. And then there was another thing. There was another couple tidbits that he put out. One was that the Padres are expected to be one of the more aggressive suitors for Cody Bellinger. The most aggressive suitors are expected to be the Cubs, the San Francisco Giants, San Diego Padres, and New York Yankees. Nightingale says the price tag will be heavy, exceeding $200 million, perhaps even seeking more than $300 million. Is that the smartest thing to do for the Padres? Like That's, that's what I thought when I initially saw this in Nightingale's Sunday notebook. Like $300 million maybe for Cody Bellinger? Even $200 million. That's $200 million that you can't spend on Blake Snell or Juan Soto or Hassan Kim or name another free agent, you know? Like, that's a lot of money to spend on Cody Bellinger. Is Cody Bellinger having a great season? Yes. Is he good in the outfield? He can play first base. He can DH. Yes, those that, that would fill some holes for the Padres. But is Cody Bellinger going to be 2023 Cody Bellinger? Or is he going to be... Cody Bellinger before he went to the Cubs. Because let's remember, his last three seasons with the Dodgers before coming to the Cubs in 2023, it wasn't pretty. I mean, look at this. And we can include 2020 because that was the last three seasons. 2019, right? 
hit over 300. Like, that was a, a great season. But 2020 to 2022 with the Dodgers, and, you know, I think Boris is his agent. He'll blame it on injuries. Don't know if that's – some of it's fair, but not all of it. Three years, 295 games, 203 average, a 648 OPS, a 76 OPS plus. So are the Padres going to be getting Chicago Cub Cody Bellinger, or are they going to be getting that Cody Bellinger? And if it's not a guarantee that – or you don't have a strong sense that you're going to get Cubs Cody Bellinger, I don't think that it's worth it to be spending 200 to $300 million on Cody Bellinger. And there's other ways that the Padres can go about this. Like, sure, it's going to be smart for the Padres to go try to get a corner outfield bat or just an outfield power bat, someone who's better than, like, Trent Grisham, right? But Trent Grisham, I still think, is a valuable piece to this Padres team. If the big guys in the lineup can do their jobs better and perform up to expectations, then... Grish hitting a little over 200 if he can get to that next year if he's on the Padres. I don't think that'll be that big of a deal. You know, some occasional pop, continue to play really good outfield. Padres could just stick with that. Or they could have Grish be on the bench or trade him for, like, pitching. I don't know, just throwing something out there. Move Tatis over to center field, and you can put someone in right field that you sign on, like, a one- or two-year free agent deal. We'll see what happens with Jackson Merrill, what position he plays. But there's other ways to go about it than spending on Cody Bellinger when he's at, like, the peak of his career. Like, it, I don't think it's going to get better than what it's been this year. So, you know, the Padres, they've had a track, rec track record of doing that. So it feels like it would be an overpay for Cody Bellinger. And I, I right now, I would pass on that. The other thing that... Bob Nightingale mentioned was about Blake Snell. And about Blake Snell, he said that Blake Snell wants to remain with the Padres, but he hasn't had any extension talks with the Padres front office. Now, why would he have extension talks, right? Like an extension, why would that happen now? It, it's September, right? Beginning of September, Padres aren't making a postseason push. I think their season's over. I know they had a good series against the Giants, but let's be realistic here. He's about to go win the Cy Young, or at least he's on track to win the Cy Young. So why would he want to get an extension with the Padres when, as a Boris client, he could just go to free agency and the Padres could bid on him and maybe drive the Padres' price up higher if he wants to return to the Padres, right? Or if he doesn't, you can test the free agent waters, and you can go get more money from another team. Go get a long-term deal. Maybe the Padres don't want to give him five, six years. Maybe another team will be willing to give him that, right? So the extension part, not surprised by. Now, no talks between him and the front office on like any contract stuff. That's not what Nightingale said. He just said they haven't yet engaged with the front office on a potential contract extension. But again, I, I don't see an extension happening. I never saw an extension happening. I think the Padres front office is like, I think they entered this year like, we'll, we'll see what Blake can do. We want him to be motivated. Be motivated, pitch your butt off, and that's what he did. It's just unfortunate that the Padres have wasted, you know, 
one of the best seasons of of Blake Snell's career, right? Uh, maybe the best season in Blake Snell's career. He leads Major League Baseball in ERA. Six shutout innings in his last outing. Tenth shutout of the year for him this season. Tenth shutout start. 2-5-0 ERA. The next best guy is, I think, Justin T- Justin Steele in the National League. So, Snell, he is on pace for the NL Cy Young. And does Blake, does he want to stay with the Padres? I think you can make the case that he does want to stay. The Don and Mudd interviews, seems like he loves that. He's having success with Ruben Niebla and Gary Sanchez. Don't try to fix something that isn't broke, right? I think you could, you could bring that up. Does he believe that the 2023 Padres are actually a thing, or is that just a once-in-a-century disappointment, um, a once-in-a-century failure, and he thinks the 2022 Padres are the actual Padres? And if he does, then, yeah, there's probably a case for him to stay because he's going to get paid either way, right? And he wants to win. He's comfortable here. That's another thing. He took It took him time to get comfortable with the Padres coming over from the Rays. It took him time. And now he's comfortable. Does he want to go through that process again with another team? I'm not so sure about that. It seems like he enjoys San Diego. Now, I'm sure he wants to win. And if you want to win consistently, don't know if the Padres are the best spot for that just based on their track record in terms of making the postseason and doing anything in the postseason. Maybe not the team for you. And there's definitely going to be competition, but there's a case one way or the other, both ways. Snell staying and Snell not staying. Why he wouldn't stay, there's definitely a case for that. Why Snell would stay, there's a case for that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, the extension thing, I never thought that that was going to happen. So not surprised by that. All right, break, and then I'm going to get to the chat. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, Or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. 
So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, back to the chat. Or I shouldn't say back to the chat. First time going to the chat tonight. Sorry, I had a lot to get off my chest there about the Padres uh, so far. After a uh, a good series against the Giants, right? Winning three games in a row after losing the first one. But, I mean, I just keep looking at the big picture and the huge uphill climb that would have to, that's going to have to happen for the Padres for them to make the postseason. And even then, if they make the postseason, what's going to happen then? You know, uh, do we think they're going to go win the World Series? Like, we're so far away from that. Uh, Austin says Profar's, Profar is kind of going to help with chemistry if we keep him past this year. We should have never let him go. Imagine if Profar had Carpenters at bats. That's fair, but Profar, let's remember, the Padres, they wanted to go get some outfielders in free agency in the offseason. And Profar and Boris, I think it was more Boris than Profar, they were, their side was just like, no, we want a multi-year deal. And spots were taken up. And so that's why Profar, I think Profar didn't even sign until after the WBC. With the, and then he signed with the Rockies, right? So, yeah. The, the market just dried up. Spots got taken, including on the Padres. So it just wasn't going to happen. They could bring back Profar next year on like a minor league deal, or maybe they give him a major league roster spot. And yes, I do expect him to be called up at some point. Um, and he is valuable. You know, if he's willing to sign a cheap contract next year, I think the Padres should entertain that because yeah, he is liked in the clubhouse. And it's not just that he can switch it. Can play first, can play evidently third, uh, can play second, can play left, probably can play some other positions as well, can DH if you need him to, can come off the bench, can hit at the top of the order, bottom of the order, pretty much wherever, as we saw in 2022. So and he was really good in left field defensively. So I'd be open to it. We'll see what happens there with Jerickson. Flygod97 says Padres need to be three games back by the Oakland series to have a chance. Yeah. And even then, I don't even know how I uh I don't know how I'd feel about their postseason chances, like how confident I would be on that. Um sorry, I'm super behind behind on the chat. There's a bunch of comments in here, so I'm not gonna be able to get to everyone. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. Uh, it supports the channel and makes it very easy for me to see your comments. So I appreciate anyone who takes the time to do that. Gabriel asks, will we extend Juan Soto? My gut says no. Uh, it just feels like him being a Boris client and haven't been talked yet. Shoot, there's there's more talks about will he get traded in the offseason than extension talks, right? So, yeah. Right now, if I had to give the yes or no, I would say no. And if the Padres bring him back, they bring him back in free agency. Steven says, the Padres season ticket holders should be happy. Eric Gruppner is going to give all of you a free hot dog and soda. Not soda, sorry. Free hot dog and soda for your troubles. Didn't that happen already? Those parties already happened, right? And I guess they made it 
a little bit better of a, a party or whatever they were calling it because they had Don, Jesse, Tony, they had them come by and take some pictures. I think Trevor Hoffman was there as well. But no season ticket member party is going to make up for what happened this season. The thousands of dollars fans have spent at the ballpark this year to not get what they signed up for. You know, a lot of fans signed up for season tickets and there was the wait list because they thought that this team was headed to the postseason and they wanted those postseason tickets. And instead, thousands of dollars down the drain. I don't want to make it seem like thousands of dollars down the drain. Like fans had no good experience at the ballpark. Not saying that, but no doubt this season's been disappointing. It's been definitely underwhelming for sure. And at Peco Park, it feels like a lot, of, a lot of these times at Peco Park just leave the fans really quiet. There's, there's nothing to, like, celebrate. Uh, Bob Melvin on, in the YouTube chat here says, I'd take Otani over Soto in a heartbeat. I don't know. Otani obviously is the better talent, but Otani, there's a lot of risk there. And will he cost more money than Juan Soto? How long will Tani do both? How long will he pitch and hit? If he only pitches, you still want to do that over Soto? If he only hits, you'd rather have Otani? Maybe you'd rather have Otani. I mean, he's he's tearing the cover off the ball this year, even with a torn UCL. I think the first game back from the torn UCL, he like tripled or doubled off the wall against the Mets. Like, he's insane. So. Yeah, you have an argument to take Otani over Soto, for sure. But I think there, you can make an argument for Soto over Otani if you wanted to as well. Both guys are amazing players, and I'd, I'd like to have either of those uh, long-term. Money? I mean, I'm glad it's not my money, although it kind of is. It kind of is Padre fans' money because we help pay for their contracts. But you get what I'm saying. Irie says, main reason we have a problem developing is because El Paso, Lake Elsinore are hitter paradises and Peco is a pitcher's paradise. Who the F came up with that idea? Yeah, but that feels more like an excuse because I'm sure I don't have like all the minor league teams listed in front of me, but I'm sure there's other parks that are like El Paso where prospects, you know, thrive like that. And they come up to the big leagues and they do well as well, you know? So I don't know how much to buy into that. There's something to that, but I feel like that's more of an excuse than just being like, well, it's because El Paso and Lake Elsinore hit her, hit her paradises. That's why uh, I think Irie's trying to say like the pitchers because you're saying pit, Petco is a pitcher's paradise. El Paso, Lake Elsinore hit her paradises. So yeah, there's I'm sure there's other minor league parks that aren't very friendly to pitchers, but then pitchers come up to the big league level um, and perform really well as well. Or it's like a pitcher-friendly ballpark in the minors, and they still perform well at the big leagues too, you know? I don't know. It just feels like an excuse. WK says, stupid move to pay Bellinger that much. That's that's how I feel. Feels like 
you know, you'd be buying high instead of, you know, trying to get kind of a little bit of a bargain, you know. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in him. You want to do another Xander Bogarts where you just overpay him to make sure he comes? Hopefully the Padres have learned their lesson with that. That's right. The Padres could win four games in a row for the first time all season tomorrow. We'll see if they'll do it. Don't know. I mean, it's who's pitching? I think Rich Hill and Pedro Avila are going to be pitching in this series against the Phillies. You got Phillies and the Astros coming up, so it's not like it's going to be easy this next week. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Can they win four games in a row? Tomorrow's at 340. Taiwan Walker against Rich Hill. Don't have a ton of faith in Rich Hill. Tuesday, Michael Lorenzen, who threw a no-hitter earlier this year against Pedro Avila. That's the Tatis bobblehead night. And then Wednesday, day game, uh, Zach Wheeler against Michael Walker. That's going to be a good pitching matchup. And then they got a day off on Thursday before heading out, I think, a three-city road trip starting against the Houston Astros. Caesar says Snell has earned more money than Musgrove. Like, for his contract, he should get more money than Musgrove? I don't know. In terms of reliability and consistency, I think Musgrove deserved more than what he got from the Padres. But I think the Padres knew Musgrove wants to return. So he, he'll be okay not signing for $200 million. Or maybe Blake Snell is going to be like, no, give me $200 million. Or give me, you know, better than the Carlos Rodon six-year, $162 million contract, right? Where Musgrove, he wants the money, and it took a little bit, if you remember, to get that contract done. But you knew they were going to get it done. Obviously, there was talk about, oh, no, what happens? Maybe what happens if they don't get it done? Because I know Musgrove, like, set deadlines, right? Or it was being reported. And then the deadline passed. And then they kept having talks because Musgrove wanted to get a deal done. But Snell, when he's a free agent, is he going to give the Padres like the last chance? Because if he truly wants to stay, let's say Phillies offer him a bunch or whatever team, name a team. Will he go back to the Padres and be like, hey, you want to match this offer or get close to it? I'll come back. That's if you want to go back to the Padres. That's what you would do. If, if I was in the player's shoes, I would be like, hey, this team's offered me a bunch of money. I want to return to the Padres, though. But look how much they're offering me. So can you at least get close to this so I can get my value, my fair value, or kind of fair value, and then I'll come back? Again, we don't truly know if Snow wants to come back to the Padres, but as I said earlier, there is a case that he, he in fact, does want to come back to the Padres. Um, I mean, platform year Caesar about Snell, yeah, and Snell's going to be a free agent. I don't see an extension happening. So naturally, in free agency, you're going to get more money probably than in an extension, especially when it was Joe Musgrove with the extension, being the hometown guy. Uh, Caesar says Profar should not have opted out. Well, I disagree with that. I mean, he was coming off a really good season with the Padres, just made a long postseason run. He thought he was going to get more money, more years than he ended up getting. And I think Scott Boris 
he asked for too much from other teams. And teams just weren't willing to do that. Whatever the asking price was, I think someone predicted, I think it was Jim Bowden in one of his pieces early in that offseason, 5 for 75 or something for Benintendi and Profar. It's like no one's going to give him that. It's not going to happen. So maybe Boris wanted that five years, and that was never going to happen. Someone, maybe they went down to four, went down to three, high AAV. Teams didn't want to do that. And, you know, he plays in the WBC, and then he ends up signing with the Rockies on like a one-year deal because teams had already filled out their rosters with guys that were willing to sign for less money, sign for a more team-friendly deal. Um, so I, I think Profar's agent, maybe it was Profar himself, but I think it was his agent that screwed him more than Profar making the dumb decision to uh, opt out. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a dumb decision at the time because he was coming off of a, a good season. I thought he would get a multi-year deal. but. Again, the asking price, it just seemed like it was too much. All right, I'll get back to the chat, but wanted to get to some other San Diego sports here real quick. Uh, I did not watch the Loyal game, so I'm not going to act like I really know what I'm talking about with this Loyal match, but they won 3-0 today against Birmingham. So I believe they were playing at home. So obviously that's a good home win for San Diego Loyal, and it seems like they're playing a little bit inspired after the news that the club's going to be folding. And so they want to finish out San Diego Loyal on a good note. So hopefully they will be able to do that. The San Diego State Aztecs, their football team on Saturday night, it was their first night home game, first night 7.30 game uh, of the year, playing against Idaho State. And they got the 36-28 win. Jalen Maiden. He was one of the stars, obviously, in the first game of the season. A couple touchdown passes. This time around, he was doing it with his legs. He had a huge rushing touchdown with 6.50 left in the game, left in the fourth quarter as well, obviously. That was one of two rushing touchdowns. That touchdown was like over 50 yards, uh, broke some tackles, and that it felt like that sealed it. Now, this game was probably too close for comfort. It, Idaho State, you should probably not allow them to score as many points as they did or score more points than you did. You know, make the the margin bigger than what it was. Um, so that's something that is going to have to improve for this Aztecs team when they're going to face off against UCLA like they will next Saturday. Uh, Oregon State. Boise State, like that's going to have to change. But Maiden doing things with his arm, doing things with his legs, that's encouraging for sure. And uh, hopefully there's some more creativity that's going to be coming from this offense, this Ryan Lindley offense. Um, sure, San Diego State, they benefited from a safety in the third quarter. Um, but at the end of the day, obviously there's things to critique about the San Diego State win. But at the end of the day, it was a win. And they're 2-0, and and now they're going to be underdogs against UCLA, who beat Coastal Carolina in their first game of their season. Because remember, State had a week zero. This past week was week one. Um, so it will probably be a tough test for the Aztecs, but I'm sure Snapdragon will be pretty packed, and because UCLA fans will travel as well, and San Diego State fans, you know, they, they see the UCLA name, and they're going to want to probably come as well. 
so hopefully that'll be a good crowd there. Uh, and there was also some San Diego State related news that I wanted to hit on because the Mountain West could be welcoming in some new members here soon. Washington State, Oregon State, they're the only two remaining members of the Pac-12. We know Oregon and Washington and Arizona, Arizona State and Utah. We know a, a bunch of schools have left. And the latest are Stanford and Cal, SMU as well, but they're not in the Pac-12. Leaving for the ACC starting 24-25, that school year there. Stanford and the ACC, Stanford, Cal, going and playing against North Carolina and Virginia Tech. That doesn't sound right, because it's not right. But a lot of it is based on the TV revenue, football, right? That's the big driving force here. So it's unfortunate what's happened, I think, to college sports and the, the rivalries, the regional rivalries. Um, but that's what it is. And San Diego State, Pac-12, it ended up not being an option. They were going to go to the Pac-12. Like, it's it, it seemed like, I think it was reported that there was an agreement in place but the grant of rights ended up not being signed. Oregon, Washington leave, and it just falls apart. So they were there. They, they did their part with the stadium and all that. They put themselves in position, and that's all that they could have done. And now with the Mountain West, if they get Washington State, if they get Oregon State, they become a stronger conference, I believe. There is a report out, though, that I did see about Washington State, Oregon State wanting to stick with the Pac-12 and try to re like do the conference but i just don't see how that's going to work because there's exit fees from teams in the mountain west if they were to leave for the pac-12 where those two teams left in the pac-12 i'm sure some type of agreement could be reached for them to go to the mountain west or no well there's no there's no tv media deal for the pac-12 anymore because it's not going to be a conference so i don't think there's going to be an exit fee so they could just go to the mountain west and maybe the mountain west would become that fifth power five school with the Pac-12 obviously not existing. So that's something to be paying attention to here uh, as we move forward. I, I would I would like, I would welcome Washington State and Oregon State. I mean, because that would turn into a pretty good top four, five schools, right? Football, basketball uh, with San Diego State. Uh, you could throw Fresno State in there, but... Boise State, obviously, Oregon State, Washington State. There's some good program, good uh, programs there. Um, good specific sports as well. So, sure, wanted to be in the same conference as Oregon and Washington and Stanford and uh, Cal. Like That would have been cool, but obviously that wasn't an option. Again, State did what they could, and it just ended up falling apart. So it's unfortunate, but that's just what it is. So, San Diego State football, UCLA next weekend should be fun. And then San Diego Wave, earlier today, they knocked off the Houston Dash one to nothing. Jaden Shaw, 57th minute goal. Casey Stoney, remember, she was not coaching. She was not allowed to coach because she got a red card in the last match. I didn't agree with the red card. I don't think a lot of Wave fans agreed with the red card, um, you know, the ball was coming right at her. She was sitting on her cooler, and she wasn't, like, trying to kick it down the field. She just kicked it a little bit, 
and there was no warning, no yellow card, just immediate red card. So I disagree with that. But um, the Wave coaching staff, obviously, it, it was fine. And one nothing doesn't seem like if, if you didn't watch the game, oh, they didn't really dominate. But, I mean, they dominated. Someone that, you know, got a great view of the game, obviously, on, for me at least, on field level. Great crowd, by the way. Over 20,000 fans showed up. The World Cup welcome back match, the great bucket hat. There's the uh, women's or girls' youth soccer tournament going on where they all got to go to the game. So a lot of fans showed up, so it was great to see. But just look at the the stat, the comparison between San Diego, between San Diego and Houston. 32 shots for San Diego, six shots for Houston. Uh, 12 shots on target for San Diego, zero shots on target for Houston. So, like, the possession, 61% for the Wave, 39% for Houston. 480 passes for the Wave, 317 for Houston. Like, it was, it felt pretty dominant for San Diego. And there were some opportunities for Alex Morgan. There were some pretty good shots. So, uh, one nothing doesn't seem like that's the most encouraging thing. But I take it as an encouraging win. And they got Kansas City coming up on September 16th. That's at home, so you can get your tickets on San Diego Wave's website. Um, and now it was a huge three points because San Diego entered the day, I believe, in second, two points behind Portland, who ended up uh, not getting a win in their match this weekend. And now if you look at the NWSL table, San Diego has gone in front of everyone and they've won three games in a row they're at 30 points first place they were in sixth like a matter of what a week couple weeks ago that's how close this is so it's going to be very interesting to see how the uh top six here who the playoff teams are because there's a race there between uh washington racing louisville angel city get their orlando in there as well to get like that final playoff spot and San Diego, they were sixth, just hanging, hanging around, but three wins in a row. Now they're at the top Portland lost. So they're at 29 points still. No Sophia Smith for them. North Carolina's three. Ola rain is fourth. Gotham fifth. And then Washington spirit is sixth. So San Diego, it looked like maybe they weren't going to be able to host a postseason match. Now, they, they could if they got the NWSL championship game, right? Because that's obviously at Snapdragon, regardless of if the Wave are playing in it or not. But uh, now, at least in this position, they would get a bye, and then they'd host a playoff game. So that was a big three points. And again, shout out to the crowd. It was a great crowd. Pretty great atmosphere. Um, and I thought that this was a, a pretty dominating match from San Diego. Obviously Kalen Sheridan was great. So it was a good it was a good day in, in San Diego. Loyal won. Padres win. Win three games in a row, obviously, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the Wave got a win. All right. Any more in the chat here before I bounce? Just seeing if there's anything I need to go over here. 
Charlie says, Seidler trying to capitalize on the untapped international market. I'll make a push for Otani regardless of his health. Yeah, because of the marketing. I mean, yeah, that's part of the conversation as well. I know some people are like, well, now not worth $500 million. Some would say he's still worth $500 million because he will be healthy at some point and he could do both or he'll just do one great player and he's the face of the sport. And you have the entire, you know, country of Japan behind him. You know, he's he's a god there. So, yeah, that is something. And you probably get a ton of revenue. Angels probably have gotten a ton of revenue from the sponsors uh, that want to be a part of Otani with the Angels and all that. And that could happen with the Padres. So we shall see on that. Okay. That's going to do it. Talking Friars, episode 461. Thank you all for the time watching on YouTube, live or on replay, listening on the podcast platforms. Have a great rest of your night. Bill Padres, thanks so much for listening.